PRB Magazine presents Laying the Foundation, Organic Management of Natural Grass Fields Requires Upfront Investment But Pays Off in the Long Run Written by Jeffrey Spivey Read by Sean Price When it comes to improving natural grass fields be it bare spots, pooling, or other problems many park departments turn to tried and true solutions. One way is to use a chemical-intensive system and have the lawn people come every few weeks and lay down chemicals and fertilizer, says Liz Harriman, deputy director for the Massachusetts Toxics Use Reduction Institute. But Turi's work proves there are other options. Take, for instance, a June 2019 case study that Turi released about the city of Springfield, Massachusetts. In 2014, with the support of a Turi grant, the Department of Parks, Buildings, and Recreation Management launched a citywide program to transition 67 acres of natural turf to organic management. The department spent slightly under $1,500 per acre across all properties, including a mix of sports fields, park areas, and other lands, and was able to eliminate pesticides from its maintenance plan while still satisfying the needs of athletes and other park visitors. The other way is to try to really change the whole system and make an organic grass system, Harriman says. It takes a bit of work and some expertise, but then you save a ton of money in chemicals and hazards and health effects to those babies and pets crawling around on the grass. Those are costs and outcomes that you can't ever quantify. A chemical-free approach. The unquantifiable costs include better health outlooks for communities, especially among the most vulnerable members. All of our work is grounded in the concepts of toxics use reduction, and all of our work also takes into account the special considerations for children's health, says Rachel Massey, Senior Science and Policy Advisor at the Collaborative for Health and Environment and Senior Research Associate at the Lowell Center for Sustainable Production. Along with Lindsay Pollard, also a research associate at the Lowell Center, Massey first began investigating hazards associated with chemicals used in synthetic turf fields. The duo went on to explore safer alternatives through community-based case studies, including the Springfield study. Both Massey and Pollard previously worked at Turi. Their findings showed that safer, non-toxic land management was both technically and economically feasible, and that it could have a significant positive impact on children's well-being and development. That core principle also undergirds the work of other organizations like Healthy Babies, Bright Futures. There's so many steps right within neurodevelopment that any exposures to these chemicals can cause something to go askew, and then we have lifelong impacts, says Kira Naomoff-Shields, Program Director for the organization's Bright Cities Initiative. Founded in 2016, Healthy Babies Bright Futures brought together health practitioners, funders, and children's health advocates to reduce exposure to nine neurotoxins shown in peer-reviewed literature that cause neurodevelopmental delays. Their collaboration happens via research on heavy metals in baby food, communications outreach, and the Bright Cities program, which works with cities on neurotoxin reduction projects like tree planting and chemical-free turf maintenance. One of Bright Cities' first projects took place in Boulder, Colorado, in partnership with Boulder Housing Partners, BHP. The city already organically managed its municipal properties, but that wasn't the case in neighborhoods with affordable housing where 33% of residents were under age 18. Bright Cities launched a pilot project to transition three BHP properties to chemical-free turf maintenance, making these areas safer for children. These are certainly encouraging results. However, 
Many municipalities have attempted to solve this issue another way switching to synthetic turf. They often do so under the assumption that they're eliminating pesticides and reducing or cutting out maintenance. Research shows this isn't exactly the case. Synthetic turf is not maintenance-free, says Pollard, Massey's fellow research associate at the Lowell Center. Though artificial fields don't require weed killing, watering, or frequent mowing, there are still other complexities to consider. Among them, special equipment is needed to clean and disinfect the fields, the crumb infill must be constantly replaced, and the lifespan is only 8 to 10 years. By the Synthetic Turf Council's estimate, 400,000 pounds of infill and 40,000 pounds of turf carpet then need to be disposed of and replaced entirely, and that's just one field. There are also concerns about the fields contributing to the heat island effect and replacing the available green space in underserved areas. Additionally, pending legislation could outlaw state and municipal purchases of synthetic turf, causing issues for existing artificial fields. Taking those factors into consideration, municipalities have a chance to reframe the conversation around natural grass maintenance. We have to start thinking about land management in terms of our community responsibility to play a role in solving a number of crises that directly affect us. Wherever we live, says Jay Feldman, executive director at Beyond Pesticides, a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit focused on transitioning. The public to a world free of toxic pesticides. Organic land management helps communities avoid pesticide-induced diseases and exposure to hundreds of chemicals, including PFAS Forever Plastics. It also serves as a tool to fight biodiversity collapse and aid carbon sequestration. Feldman says, there is an opportunity with organic land management to make a significant collective contribution. Turi's work stems from Massachusetts's Toxics Use Reduction Act, TURA, which was passed in 1989. Under the act, companies that exceed a certain threshold of toxic chemical use are required to complete annual reporting and draft a two-year plan to reevaluate their usage. Turi, an independent government agency, works with businesses, other government agencies, local communities, and international organizations to help reduce toxics use, not only in compliance with Tura, but to encourage toxics reduction wherever possible. If we don't use the chemicals to begin with, then we don't ever have to worry about exposure and what the precise health effects of these toxic chemicals are, Harriman says. Thus, organic land management is a perfect tool to accomplish that mission in parks. Harriman stressed that every field is different. Where is it? Is it down low near a wetland, or is it a high area that tends to shed all its water? Generally, there are some core best practices that can help parks departments fully embrace organic land management. First, it's important to know that organic land management includes both sustainable and organic practices, all of which serve to create healthy soil. Feldman suggests starting the process by testing the soil food web in grass fields. With those results, parks can create a program that nurtures the soil's microorganisms so grass plant nutrients can be cycled naturally. The program also aids in creating more resilient turf that retains moisture and requires less watering. Pollard suggests hiring an athletic field consultant up front to guide the testing because that data can be used to determine what additives and fertilizers should be applied and how often. In Springfield, they had a consultant tell them what to do. And now annually, there's a group that helps them with the soil testing, with fertilizer. They just send it to them, and they make a schedule for them for when to apply it and how often to mow as the weeks go on in the summer, Pollard says. 
For leaders resistant to third-party advice, Pollard and Massey point to training opportunities at the Northeastern Organic Farmers Association and the Phipps Conservatory and Botanical Garden. After soil testing, mowing often during peak growing seasons is important. Feldman recommends mowing at 2 to 3 inches to encourage root growth and grass plant strength. Pollard also recommends keeping blades sharp and partnering with nearby golf courses for assistance if parks teams don't have sharpening tools on hand. Some parks may also need to overseed, but Massey warns about choosing grass seed carefully. Experts' recommendations are usually quite specific. For example, seeds of a grass variety that forms deep roots may be mixed with another type that produces lots of greenery in different temperatures. Then comes aeration to ensure air and water can go into the soil more easily. Feldman says the timing of this is crucial in northern climates to ensure soil organisms are fed before cold weather begins. With these basic steps in place, parks also have the option of tech-savvy upgrades like drone photography to identify bare patches or advanced irrigation to target trouble areas, which Massey observed in Turi's case study of grass-playing fields in Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. But, even without upgrades, maintenance teams can still take a more detailed approach to organic land management. On soccer fields, for instance, more time can be spent treating or overseeding the spots that see the most play, as in front of the goals. Or the goals can be moved periodically, so no part of the field is used more heavily than another. And with new fields, organic land management should be considered from the earliest stages. Pollard says, as you invest in that type of management and the sustainable management style, and use those core techniques, the maintenance does get easier over time because you're adding more organic content to the soil. You're allowing it to drain more easily. It's just taking care of itself. For parks teams that may be weighing a transition to organic management, Nayimov Shield says that the decision might be easier once municipalities see proof of concept across the country. When there's other cities doing it, I think it's normalized. Because it's been normalized now that we need a green lawn, and that's what makes our city look nice. But it could be normalized in a different way, too, that we appreciate the wilder grasses or a more natural-looking landscape or even something that we're familiar with that's just managed in a different way. Harriman suggests tying the organic management decision to safety. That's safer for the workers, safe for the community, better all around, safer for the whole supply chain.